1: The truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network is fueled by joy. Joy Dog Food has been in business for many decades, since the 1940s. They've never had a recall. They only use 100% American-made products to bring you a dog food formula that is going to keep your hounds on their feet and performing at a high level. Late round bound, the next bear race, the next cat race, whatever you got going, Joy can keep your dog fueled up. I personally feed Joy for this reason they are not afraid to get in the trenches and get in the fight. They will show up at a local meeting where people are trying to pass tethering laws or uh, breeders' bills or whatever and put their name on that and put their reputation on the line to support us. So, find Joy Dog Food on the internet, find that dealer locator, find a dealer near you. If you can't find one, contact them directly and have a rep get their butts down there and get a dealer set up so you can start feeding Joy Dog Food. Fueled by Joy!
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Truth on the Houndsman XP Podcast Network. And I am sitting here with the man, the myth the legend mr chris powell <laughs> and uh we got some stuff to talk about this week chris <clears throat> we do we're got a lot of cool stuff yeah we're gonna talk about fall superstakes. uh we're gonna talk about some uh things we've seen on the old interwebs and uh <laughs> we're gonna go through some rules and some questions that i've gotten uh through my email here in the last couple of weeks so uh where you want to start off you want to start off superstakes? Well, I
1: thought we'd start off
0: by you see this little icon right down here
1: at the bottom of the screen. It looks like a microphone. Uh huh. If you're going to get up and start yelling at Brogan or kids or whatever, <laughs> hit that hit that button. It saves me some time in editing. It ain't Brogan.
0: It's Bogan.
1: Bogan. Bogan. Whatever. You know what What's
0: that, that? I I forget what that means. I right, you that you is said it. That is point. Australian slang for white trash. <laughs> he is an you australian bet. cattle dog and we're white trash so i thought that would be pretty fitting for you that is pretty yeah. fitting i like it I, I take a lot of pride in my name in my naming
1: yeah i try to do the same thing i try to make them mean something
0: what really sucks is when uh, you go through one of the best names and the dog don't make it
1: oh man i hate that <sighs> i've i've, reu- I've reused i've reused some
0: yeah if nobody knew about them
1: yeah you know, I if I just I just reuse. I them. haven't
0: reused any of, but all my names other than all my coonhound names have a music theme. You know, I I like Con. What people don't understand is we had two of those, him and his mate brother, and their names mm-hmm. were Ground Control and Major Tom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then uh, we had, of course, Delta Dawn, uh, Rhythm. I thought one
1: band. of them was going to be named Shaka, and the other one was named Con.
0: I thought about that. That would have been good too. <laughs> And then uh Rhythm was her name was she's got Rhythm or Get Rhythm, I'm sorry. They changed it whenever they hmm. whenever I sold her but her name was Get Rhythm. So yeah, we do we do music themes. Jagger was one of my other ones. I've had, I've had a bunch of them. Yeah.
1: Yep. I use uh Blazing Saddles theme on one. Yeah. My Longo. uncle does
0: all everything every doggy names comes off Lonesome Dove.
1: Yeah, that's a good movie to pick from yeah, too.
0: it is. Yep. Newt. Gus. Yep, he's had all those. Yep, Pi. Yep. Yeah, you yep. name it, he's gonna. Hell, bitch. Yeah, he had one. He female, did help. Yeah, and she she was promptly named that. Yeah, that was it. She was. She sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and she was bites you every, every time you try to yeah, to the tree. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, had, uh, we had a. We take pride in our names. Yep. yep. We one. don't name them numbers. Like the blue tick guys do. They could, they're only original that. enough to think of one name and then they got to put a number behind it. Uh yeah. <laughs> not not my game. You man. don't
1: like it either, do you? No.
0: How many hammer? No, how many hammers did they have?
1: I think they're up to seventy four.
0: Gee, I don't know. I don't know where they're. I at. wouldn't doubt it. They were all Roman yeah, numerals too, so it was like the Super yeah. Bowl. I don't know what effing Super Bowl I'm at. I don't speak Romans. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, i'll have to check ken herman's page he kind of took over that whole yeah. uh hammer stuff i'll see what number he's up to but i was thinking dave had I'm to not, have at least 20 he did at He least did. 20. and i'm think i think i saw a dog on ken's page that was 27 Jeez.
0: yeah do they name them yeah. all hammer like a call name I don't know. I don't. I don't know. They have a different call name. I I couldn't even tell you. Hey, I got one other question for you. Yeah. I was reading the plot days deal for the newscast on Monday, and what pedigree or what championship is CCH? What pedigree or what champ? Well, it's a championship. It's like Water Champions WCH, Night Champions NTCH. Is it a confirmation champion? Maybe. I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. I, have I no bet idea it is. CCHP. I bet it's
1: confirmation champion. Lauren would know. I think she, I think she, uh, there's a difference between like show champion and confirmation champion. I, see. I don't know
0: the differences in. Uh, well, I assume the show champion or the confirmation champion probably ain't on a bench. It's probably walked around, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. I guess. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know.
1: I put my foot in my mouth last week or Wednesday with uh, some misinformation about X-bred. So I'm not going I'm not going to dive into that one until I know. <laughs> what was your
0: misinformation on the X-bred?
1: I made a statement during the podcast that uh X-bred had to be two dogs with uh they could be different breeds. They just needed to have pedigrees from each side. At UKC pedigrees and I guess that's incorrect. I haven't verified I, it yet. I thought that was correct. I I don't know. Two I don't know. They can just be different breeds is what I thought. They can be different breeds, but evidently evidently, they don't need a pedigree either. So. Oh, that may be. I know that's the way PKC
0: is with their crossbred yeah.
1: stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I registered several mountain curves that actually had pedigrees, but since the ancestors were not uh, PKC registered, they just came back as crossbred instead of mountain cur. Yeah. So.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought they had to be UKC registered parents. They could I did be, too. They could be a different breed, and then they were ex bred.
1: Yeah, I did too. That's what I always thought, but but uh, Lauren sent me a message and set me straight. Hmm. So, one thing about
0: when you say something wrong on one of these, Lauren will tell you. Yeah, well, there's She's not a afraid. lot. Of, there's a lot of people that'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But when, yeah. You, when you stand corrected, you just got to own up to it. That's right.
1: Is I'm here to take my whipping. Yep. Thank you very much. May I have another? There you go.
0: Let's talk about Super Stakes, pal. Do it, man. That is something that we bring up on the truth a lot. You look at all our, you know, we're getting ready to talk about Ryan Croson anyway, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, we talk about he's a Super Stakes champion uh mm-hmm. you know and that's a that's a title that there's two super stakes a year spring and fall there are three to div- four divisions actually if you count the baby stakes uh the baby stakes like mr jason already said the plaque says super stakes champion on it and so that's a super stakes champion as well right and so there's four divisions two a year so there's actually eight super stakes champions crowned every year that's right spring and, and fall yeah and it's still very prestigious You bet. You know, and so we're coming up into the fall super states. It is going to be on, uh, looks like September 19th through the 24th. It's going to be in Salem where all the major stuff is usually held. And there's three divisions of the uh, week-long deal. The babies babies only hunt uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or Mm -hmm. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm sorry. And then the seniors, juniors, and sophomores hunt – uh, Monday through Saturday, with the finals being on Saturday. And so you're looking at uh, three divisions, one-year-olds, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, usually. And, they're, and I think their birthday is October 1st until May 1st. That's when they have to be born. And so the best f- spring birthday is May 1st. The best fall birthday is October 1st. I think it's October. Maybe it's November. November. Yeah, I think it's November. You're it's November right. 1st. Right. And so...
1: Jazz has actually had um she's actually had almost almost 3 perfect birthday litters.
0: Yeah. She's I had, had, three had them in a row too, but they were all spring yeah. pups. They're only Yeah, really she
1: Last couple times they've been uh, they've been spring pups, but uh, she, like Mongo's litter, mm-hmm. They were born November 2nd.
0: I hear tale that Mongo's going to go down to Kentucky for a little bit. He's gonna go down and get uh, tuned up by Jason Doherty for a couple of weeks because Chad uh, hasn't been able to be hunting since he's hurt. He needs he that will be a good thing for him. Yeah, I talked to if Chad. Ha- I talked to Chad last week, and he had asked me about Jason because he knew that we knew each other, and I told him that Jason would treat his dog good, and Jason will be honest about what the dog is, mm-hmm. and uh, I would not be afraid to send a dog down to Jason Doherty to hunt for a couple of weeks. I'll and, be curious to see.
1: Um, what comes of that and his evaluation of that yeah. dog. He, of all the pups that I've seen out of big country, he has been the closest to what he was. He's a little more open on the ground, mm-hmm. but he's got the same mannerisms. He's got the same, I mean, he acts the same in the kennel. He trees coons the same. Um, there's been a, There's a lot of things about him that, that when you hunt him and you get to know him, you know where he came from. There's no, there's no doubt about it. And that was country's
0: first litter, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yep. And he is. Out yeah. Of we made the- Jazz. Jazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we made that cross right here at my house. We we kind of took a risk uh, breeding him breeding him that young. Mm-hmm. But uh, I say because he's when, what
0: six now, Mongo. that man? Old? Is he that old? I think he, he may is. be. He's five or six, I think. I think he's five. Yeah, he may be. I think he's, he's five. five. But he's up there in the frozen tundra and hasn't got a chance they, at a lot of these major events. They don't. I mean, that's that was the
1: downfall uh, when Chad bought him. He's right up there on the fringe of – he's too far away to really get him out there in PKC. Mm. And, and uh, he's got great hunting. I mean, it's awesome up there. But uh, he's just – he's out of he's out of the mainstream up there you know if he was down here where he could go 20 miles in any direction and hit a hunt any night he wanted then it it'd be a lot big a lot, lot different deal I know.
0: but he's I've, he's a super accurate dog i've talked to you of course and then uh, strickland has hunted with him and chad and i've heard nothing but good reports from the dog and yeah. they're guy could break him out maybe get him in at a couple of pro classics and he would be that behind the barn coon dog that everybody talks about but he's a known commodity yeah we know he's out there right and i we were re- i offered it i offered to come out of retirement
1: and and bring him down here and bite the bullet and start yeah. just because because he's out of our stuff yeah and i wanted to see him succeed and um
0: uh, i couldn't close the deal I we, really wasn't that I really wasn't that committed yeah, anyway. <laughs> and we were the same way. Like I I would like to get the dog and, and get him in some Pro Classics too. And Jed had mentioned interest in him, but at his age we've got three others. Mm-hmm. You know, if he was a two year old and we were going oh, to the yeah. super stakes, you know, I'd be on it right right now. But well <laughs> we've got three older dogs that we're already competing with and I just don't think we'd give him a fair shake. I made I made a mistake with him. Um, you know, when he was that
1: two year old, then I had really backed out of, of competing at all with him. And I held on to him a little too long. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I also, when he was younger than that, yeah, (laughs) I also didn't push him in those younger years and tried to get the only hunt that he had ever been in, uh, when I sold him was the blue tick Nash blue tick days. And I won the young guns hunt with him. Yeah, that's the only hunt he had ever been in. When and I was just hunting him around here, and and um, didn't want to sell him. And yeah, so I hung on to him a little too long to really make him a a hot commodity. If if I would have pushed him out there at eighteen months old or so, and won some stuff with him,
0: and you know he he could have been he could have been that next dog, I've and he may ch- still be. I've changed my mind on. Putting young dogs in casts, uh, my my opinion has evolved over the last two years dramatically. <clears throat> what is it? Uh, like Con, for instance, uh, I knew I had a freak of nature, and I knew I had something special. So I wanted to baby him around because I was worried about longevity. Mm-hmm. I wanted to. I didn't want to push him yet. I wanted to make sure that he was only in the events that I wanted. Him, wanted to put him in that i didn't burn him out in casts and i've seen after my uh podcast with zach McBee, him and hunter are the same age uh matt barnes had a dog out of trip gosh dang i cannot for the life of me i can't remember the name of that dog too and i mean this dog was it he was a year younger than con and he was at every 30 hunt i bet you that kid put him in three or four casts a week from the time he was a year old until he got him i think he got in the top four or five or something like that in super states with him and uh i was always preaching it at Barnes. listen you're going to burn that dog out that's a talented dog this was a good dog very mm-hmm. good dog so you're going to burn this dog out he's going to be a mess uh and he did don't get me wrong he did i mean he pushed him too hard zach will tell you that he pushed hunter too hard and here i sat with con and i did not push him too hard and the end result was still the same they still got cast at four or five years six years old And they still did, and now those two dogs are setting at more career earnings than Colin is.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, so i've I've come to the conclusion. I told Jed this the other day. I said, "Listen, we're going to keep a male pup out of Hazel and Shock." And I've always been better at starting males. I've always had more success with starting a male from the ground up. That alpha male and me seem to get along, and we. Yeah. I'm able to mold that into what I want it to be, and. I said, we're going to get a male pup out of that, and if he turns out and he gets to where he can win, we're going to ride him until he bucks us every chance we get. We're just (laughs) going to ride this thing. He's going to be at everything. He's going to be at a pro classic every week. He's going to be at all the major events, all the large open events, and when he's burnt out, we're selling him, and we're done. I said, we're not going to coddle him around like we did the other two trying to get him back or the other 10 we've done and try to get him back minute he shows us that he's not ready to be – or he's tired of being in a cast, we're just going to sell him.
1: Hmm.
0: I think that's the best way to go. I think you get
1: – Well, so you just yaded yourself because when he comes up for sale now, everybody's going to be that's like – That's fine. That sucker's blown up. Well, I we'll gave – We'll gave, give you like 200 bucks. Now. I gave Con away. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You did. <laughs> so, I turned down
0: $20,000 for him coming out of his sophomore Superstakes, and I gave him away when he was six. Oh,
1: I know you did. Yeah. That was funny, too. So,
0: I mean – if I, if I get 1500 bucks out of it by the time I'm done with it and I've got all the good out of it, that's fine. Yeah. Because they're still very good pleasure dogs. Uh, if you want to take those dogs out by themselves, Ralph, Shock, Dempsey, Con, all those burned-out dogs that we've got, they're fantastic to hunt. Yeah. But they got to be alone, and it's got to just be you and them. And there's a lot of people that would love to have that. hmm You know, and there's nothing wrong with that either. But, I mean, they got to be – I've decided that my, my views have changed, and Matt Barnes, if you're listening to this, you were right. Uh, you, liked, you liked hunting him. You liked winning with him, and he took him until he was, he was burnt out, and then he was done. That's the way to do it, I think. Yeah. Sometimes they come back. Steve Yant's good about getting one back, but I can't get one back.
1: That's interesting.
0: I've tried. I don't know that
1: I've ever put that much thought into it, actually.
0: Well, when you have six of them in a row— you start thinking things over pretty good Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
1: but so so what's this format for the uh for the super stakes all right we're gonna
0: you got to be super stakes eligible and so and so that dog has to be either out of a super stakes sire now i may mess this up too Uh, if you have any questions call pkc office they will clarify the ladies in there are absolutely fantastic to work with and they'll answer all your questions but uh both parents have to have dna on file the sire and the dam or your your pups cannot be super staked uh we do we don't have super sires we always do we always just pay the whole litter up and that's an option as well i believe it's a finley takes care of this so i'm going to have to just play it by ear here but i believe it's a 200 hundred uh, dollar litter super stakes application uh you pay the litter up uh if you sell them you buy a super stakes eligible pup uh before they're six months old you swab them you send the dna in and you get that uh, dna back and they are on file and they are eligible to hunt as long as they have won a hundred dollars in open events that year that competition year Uh, or they can have 500 dollars lifetime uh, winnings and they're they're eligible for all, all three years. You don't have to win it in that competition year. So they can be if they're a PKC champion, they're eligible all three years as long as they've been DNA'd, both are and they were super Stakes eligible to begin with. It sounds complicated and it kinda it's is. Not. Yeah, but it's once you once you get to doing it it's it's a piece of cake. Yeah. Uh, so you got a super Stakes pup. Uh the sophomore division is the one year olds, junior division two year olds, senior division three year olds
1: up uh, to three right
0: up to well there some of them are are almost four they're, okay they're they're yeah. high threes that's right because yeah. baby stakes really is good, under one Well, see a really good super stakes birthday's november uh mm-hmm. so you're hunting in september so your dog yep. say it's a it's a sophomore it's still a one-year-old but it's going to be two in a couple months
1: yep yep and so that's where um, that good birthday yep. stuff comes on yeah
0: but it gives there's also breeder awards uh, the person that, that bred that litter, uh, if you do well in Superstakes, gets a portion of that Superstakes money. A pretty good check. I yep. think Jed that one year with Con's litter, his check was like five $6,000. Or with uh, Squeaks, or not Squeak, but uh, Shock and Scent and Rain. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that crazy litter that he had, he had a huge Superstakes check. And so you, you, the breeder makes some money there too, uh, the sire and the dam so you know there's there's money to be made there for just raising super Stakes puppies and selling super Stakes puppies not just competing too but you go out uh there's two like we said before there's two super Stakes fall and spring uh spring is usually the second week of april Uh second third week something like that because i know it falls during missouri turkey season much yeah. to the chagrin of my son but uh you go out and you're competing against dogs that are with born within six months of your dog and baby stakes at one point, uh, there, those are dogs that are, they won't be a year old until that, you know, the most they can be is 10, 11 months old. Yeah. And so baby stakes, it's just the weekend, you know, it starts Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then like we said earlier, the older dogs, the sophomore through the senior division start on Monday You go out uh, in the sophomore, senior, junior, and it's just like the World Hunt. You start Monday, you get a double-cast win. Uh, You have to get a double-cast win to advance until Friday. And then you get a double-cast win on Friday and a double-cast win on Saturday most years. It takes six-cast wins to win the Super Stakes. But you'll get – there's some dogs that are just fantastic at three years old coming forward. You know, that's really their peak – and so you get some really good competition in the senior division. But I remember my first super stakes, I was shocked at how good the one-year-olds are. Uh, I took Con out there as a sophomore, and I thought I would breeze through that thing. And it was hard. I mean, it, these dogs are very good coon dogs. Yeah. And so you don't want to go out there with a dog that will sometimes tree a coon and it's doing pretty well for however old it is and think you're going to compete because you can't. I mean, it's, it's a difficult hunt to win. Yeah, I've I've seen uh, the
1: the baby stakes mm-hmm. is impressive. It has you know, evolved. It, it, it has evolved
0: a ton in the last ten, eight, probably six I, years.
1: I'm going to tell you right now, I hate the baby steaks. I think we I think we push pups way too hard mm-hmm. to get them ready for that. I and I'm speaking from experience. I hunted jazz in the baby steaks. and uh,
0: tell us about it. I got to go get me another drink real I, quick, pal.
1: Yeah, I just about just about blew her up. He didn't hit the mute button again. He likes it. Um, uh, but yeah, I just about blew her up. Just getting ready, getting ready for that. She actually shut down on me a couple months after that. But, uh, and that's one that I brought back. So you forgot that mute button again, didn't you? Hey, this is the truth. We don't, we don't hide anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I was just saying I almost blew, blew jazz up doing yeah. that, doing that with her pushing her too hard. But, uh, Took her it's out different. there, and,
0: it's different with females. Yeah, it opinion. is.
1: It is. You can bring and a female back. I don't think I, you can bring I, a male
0: back. I can't anyway.
1: Well, I think, I think that's as much personality as anything. You know, mm. maybe it's some weird deal. It's like I back off a little bit from a you know the the females and and give them a little more the old chivalry type thing you know there's something I think I, yeah, I think I do i think
0: there, i do i think there's something to i treat my females different than i do my male right. i do too you know I, I think i don't i'm not saying there's not something to it i know brains that of course rain is different and scent is different because they've won me a lot of money and but like i duds is running loose out here in the yard and i just assume kick him as petting <laughs> i hate that dog and then <laughs> And then Rain comes over the house and she's laying on the couch and I'm babying her around, you know. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I do. We probably treat them differently. I know I do. But uh, you got any
1: predictions? What's your predictions? What do you think it's going to take to win and who do you think is going to win it?
0: I'm going to – it's going to take coons. It always takes coons from from baby stakes now even Mm -hmm. up to the senior division. But I'm not familiar with – a lot of the dogs sure going you just out. Up, I Josh, believe I hope the you come back. dog that Rusty Jones and Jess Dickerson has is a fall one year old. And I just you heard me earlier. I called and confirmed with Jeremy that Laura Lee is a fall one year old. And Laura Lee has, I think she's close to hundred thousand dollars already, lifetime earnings between Pro Sport and PKC. She just got it. She just got second at the Swag Hunt last night in Lebanon, Kentucky. Uh, she's a dog of course ryan's a friend of mine so i'm biased uh Lorley's out of Josie wales but despite all that I, that has got to be one of the top three one-year-olds in the country i don't see how anybody can keep her out i really don't yeah and then you look at the two-year-old three-year-olds i always go with handlers i mean there are because if some of these handlers will show up you know the Steve ants and and the guys like that will show up with a dog you've never heard of at super state they do it all the yeah. time which ryan right now we've heard of what he's hunting but uh you know they show up with dogs all the time you know the those guys are going to have a good dog you know weed and ward and all these guys that are competing at these pro classics they're going to have something joe manning's probably got something back there that we haven't heard of yet him and cole I, I don't know. You know, I should know cuz me and Joe are buddies, but those guys are going to have something. And so you look, I always look at the handlers. There's handlers that do well at Super Stakes. And those those are usually the ones I'm I'm going with when I go to pick 'em.
1: And it's not because they're 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 handlers. It's because they know what they
0: got. It's because you they know? Know, they know where to get a dog that they can compete with and yeah, they you know bet. and they know how to get it ready.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not that they're showing up with some half half-assed dog that they're going to handle through the it's because they got something they've been keeping quiet and boom here they come
0: well you'll hear you know a ward or a weed or a mark gilmore or one of these guys that really know dogs really well and you know i'll get a phone call hey i'm looking for a spring one-year-old or i'm looking for a fall one-year-old or do you know where one's at and you know they're looking and this is usually about six months before super stakes. You know, I'll get those phone calls, and they'll ask me if, if I've hunted with anything or if I've been around anything, and that they'll get something found. And those guys get something found, and then they work on it until super stakes, and they usually do some damage.
1: They usually find them. Yeah. You know, people find them to hunt yeah. that dog.
0: Yeah, but I'll tell you what, dogs that can compete right now are hard to come by. Yeah. Not, not that there's not a lot of them, but I think there's just more people, you know, looking for them. I think we've always had in the last four or five years a good crop of of one, two, and three year olds, you know, for the super states. Uh, I just think that there's so many people geared towards that event now that those dogs are getting hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's why I get those phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at the Stallards. The Stallards are going to have something good out there. You know, the the Burdens are going to have good dogs out there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just going to be there's going to be handlers that are going to have something that you've never seen or heard of. And they're going to have a hundred dollars one or two or $300 one or whatever. And they're going to do go out there and do some damage.
1: Yeah. They come out. It's, they don't have to have something that you've heard of to, yeah. to hurt you. That's for sure.
0: And one thing about it, one thing I always love about the super stakes is it gives the everyman a chance. Yeah. Every year there's an everyman, which I like to call just the, guy that doesn't have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of lifetime earnings, you know, as a handler, you know, he's just been at some local hunts and he's traveled out to Superstakes and those guys get deep in superstakes every year. There's always three or four of them that do. Mm-hmm.
1: Well if I if I had a hot hot pup that I thought I was gonna have a real legitimate shot, I think I would just I'd go out and I'd be quiet about it and I'd get my hundred dollars one and just sit back. and and not enter him into a bunch of stuff where all the handlers have time to to know him and learn him and and you know if you draw that uh, josh i know that if you drew me i was hunting hunting the same dog and you drew me three times Mm. you would see the holes in that and so do the weeds and all these other guys so to to get this hot pup and then run out there and try to make this big splash and and If I had that pup, man, I'd just just lay back with him. Now, it's hard to do if you've got a three-year-old. Yeah. But if you're hunting one-year-old, I'd definitely do
0: that. Well, it's just like Con. He went out to his sophomore Super Stakes with $112 one. Yeah. You know, I put him in enough cash to get his 101 And then the only people that even knew that dog existed was the people that I would call to make sure I put that dog in a crowd before I went out there. You know, I'd Mm -hmm. travel over to Eagleville and hunt with the Gibsons. Or I'd do something like that to make sure that dog was used to being in a crowd, you know, but well there's a lot of them guys. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna uh, Brian Robertson was a guy that got in the top six that year I was out there with Con. and I'd never heard of the dog seen the dog or nothing. That was a really good dog. And there's always someone like that that makes a run out there. Yep. makes a good run. And it, for sure, it's hard to win. It's hard to beat them pros but they got as good a chance as any. The Truth is sponsored by Havoc
1: Hunting Supply. When you are looking for high-quality gear, go to the people that understand the demands you put on your gear. Havoc has a full line of top-quality hunting gear that meets those demands. Rugged hunting vests for the big-game houndsman to the sleek, high-speed, low-drag vests for that late-round-bound competition hunter. Havoc has what you need. The Havoc website features a complete line of hunting gear for the serious houndsman, and they feature that iconic Havoc logo. Go to HavocHuntingSupply.com and order your gear today. It's time to turn the hounds loose. It's time to wreak some havoc. What's that senior pay? What's that? Senior I think win it's fifteen
0: thousand. If yeah. I remember right. That's, I believe that's senior the senior pace I believe senior pays 15, the junior pays 10, and the sophomore pays 7,500. Have there ever been any dogs that won multiple Super Stakes? I believe nine did, and I know there has been. I think there's been two or three or a handful. Mm-hmm. But I want to think, and someone can correct me if I'm wrong, they can shoot me an email, but uh, I think nine did, and... Nothing else that I know right off the top of my head, but I know they have. Yeah, and that's a good payout for for not only the owner, but it's a good payout for the breeder too. Yeah, yeah, breeders get paid, owners get paid. Heck yeah, it's a good, it's a good, it's not no not much different than uh, what the UKC has a performance program. Yeah, is that what it is? Is it still?
1: I'm not up to par on that. Uh, I'm not as up to par as I. I mean, I get it. I get a check. Uh, because I've got a couple performance letters
0: but yeah. uh, when they win so. I think that's an underutilized program I know I underutilized it because the one year I went uh, I went to a local UKC hunt with duds and I won and got a first and I went to an RQE and won it and then I thought, well, I'll, I'll get his night champion, you know, and it took me, I think I got a second and then another first mm-hmm. or something like that. I can't remember what I got, but, uh, ended up with like a, I did, had no idea Duds was even performance. I, I didn't know. I had no clue. And all of a sudden, yeah. you know, a few months down the road, I get a check from UKC for like two or 200, two or 300 bucks or something. I thought, well, that's, yeah. that's a better payout than hunting at a $50 hunt. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's – it's, and this is – I don't know enough about it to, to really go into it. But it's one of those deals where when it first started, the payouts were higher. But now that it got diluted, then yeah. the payouts are lower. And I, I don't know how all that works. Uh, I just don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't need but I'll that's, to. I'll have to ask Alan about that. We need to start performing some 'cause because we have been sending some pups to some guys that hunt a lot of UKC. And so I need to actually – get them in the performance program at least we can get paid for it when they win
1: yeah yeah you gotta are you gonna bring up that rule stuff now or well, we had something what in think?
0: between let's what, what what about the the thing you read on the interwebs the other day
1: oh yeah we had the interwebs
0: yeah. that was on, actually on the yeah. face yeah
1: it was uh
0: well, we'll talk i figured, about. The, i figured that'd be a good um, yeah, off off the super stakes when we're talking about pups. You're, you're the you're the
1: leader here. Um, I'm th- I I read something that kind of got me thinking, and um, it's about the old eighty twenty idea. Eighty mm-hmm. percent uh, or you know, out of a out of a hundred pups, only twenty of them are going to make it, and eighty won't. And um, I started thinking about that and mulling that over my head and tossing it around and stuff. And I just thought, where did that come from? You know, I even responded that, you know, John, John, maybe the original, the original poster brought it up that John Wick had written it, that 20% of the pups will make it. And I thought, man, that book was written in 1985. If we're still there today, then why are we there today? You know, he Heath, Heath puts puts that podcast together every Wednesday called The Journey, and the people that he interacts with in the police dog world and performance dog world, you know, they're, they're experiencing 80% success rates and 20% failures. You know, Bart George from Auburn University was on his podcast a few weeks ago. He wouldn't breed a dog that was, was – 20 percent success rate. So so, where's that coming from? What? Why are we still focused on that stumped on that twenty percent? I I don't think it's I don't think it's accurate, and I think a lot of it falls back on us as a as a hound hunting community that that um, that's the reason. Because if we were talking about seventy years ago when we were starting to develop the tree dog specialist then then yeah i could buy into that but but we're a long way from there
0: well the 20 percent rule pardon my french is bullshit it's, it's that that's if you're only doing 20 percent success rate on a dog that can track and tree a raccoon consistently turn loose by itself at night you're doing something seriously wrong it's either in your breeding protocol or your training protocol because at worst at worst and i've always said that uh just turning a dog loose and letting it tree a raccoon is a pretty low bar that's yeah. not that's not that hard to achieve mm-hmm. and so if john was talking about uh 20% can compete at a high level that's accurate but if 20% are only making serviceable coon dogs then that is you're really really doing something wrong
1: Well, I think what you see parroted a lot of times on the social webs now is, hey, only 20% 20 make it. Well, let's define what make it is first. Mm -hmm. Are we talking about making a world champion? Are we talking about a serviceable, pleasurable dog that you can take out and hunt? And I think that's what the disconnect is in that whole thing is – yeah we've all got a high bar and we all nobody goes out there and starts a pup and says man i hope this thing's mediocre yeah no kidding you know nobody ever starts there there's
0: been a few of them i've started over like man i hope this thing makes mediocre (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: yeah Yeah, but i think that's where you have to start is is what do we consider making
0: it are we not, everyone, not everyone's going to be a superstar. When someone comes to me about training advice, breeding advice, they have questions, either listener questions or just people that I see at a hunt or whatever, and I always tell them what, the first thing I ask them, I don't care if it's a retriever, a pointing dog, uh, a coonhound, a lion dog, what are your expectations for the dog? What are you, What do you want? What are you trying to get? Are you wanting to compete with the dog? Are you wanting to have something that's fun to hunt with the kids are you wanting you know a house pet what do you want and so that's the first thing we have to establish is what are your expectations for that particular animal and until until we decide that who's to say what's going to make it and what isn't i know what my expectations are and my expectations one out of ten make it now that's not saying that those Other nine dogs aren't really good coon dogs, you know, to a lot of people. A lot of them are. I've sold dogs that that didn't suit me that that a lot of people love, and that is great. I'm glad that there's a market out there for a dog that I can sell for pretty good money. You know, I'm not selling these dogs cheap, uh, and they take them. They like them. Uh, As long as they're enjoyable and pleasurable to the person that's turning them loose, I consider that made it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think there's a difference in um how, how how do you set the bar on that, Josh? One out of ten.
0: I set the bar on and those are actual numbers. One out of every ten puppies that I raise from the get go are consistent cast winners at a high level. That's my bar. Mhm. You know, uh there's all kinds of little things, mouth, mannerisms, how they're how they are in the kennel. Uh, brains all that stuff but all that equates to just one thing are you a consistent cast winner or not
1: well did the other nine not ma- i mean w- when we they That's all, what I'm saying when we're talking kids. about make it yeah
0: no the other nine i'm going to try to figure this out on the top of my off the top of my head but you're looking at con delta blinken uh jagger biggie uh rhythm uh i don't know there's there's several others uh Ferdinand my kid named that one uh all of those
1: so he broke away from the music theme and went straight to French kings don't ever let your French queens
0: don't ever let your kid name a dog oh Uh, all of all of those you could turn loose at night and tree raccoons with them Uh, Mm -hmm. the last one son uh his name was wavered son so anyway (laughs) but uh (laughs) but uh son was the last one I sold that I started uh all of them you could load them in the dog box drive them down the road, pull them out of the dog box, cut them loose by themselves, and they would go tree a, tree a raccoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had one in the last 12 or 14 years that wouldn't tree a coon by itself. So Candy was another example of that. And then she was a littermate brother to shock, or litter mate sister to shock. She would go tree coon. She never did suit me. Uh, she wasn't quite good enough, but she would go tree coon.
1: Mm-hmm. And I... I can say the same thing. I've lived where I live now for the last 20 years and every pup that I've started here and raised here has made what I call a serviceable Mm -hmm. coon dog. Yeah. You know, it's something that you can take out and you can enjoy a night in the woods with, um, are they going to be super stakes or world champion contenders? Probably, you know, most of them aren't, but, but, um, the average person can take them and, and not be embarrassed when they go hunting with their buddies. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where the disconnect is 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 what is making it and you know, what's the definition of making it and I don't know, man. I I, I still think that that and I stated it on the on the fake book that you know, that eighty percent is because of the people the people involved when when a litter of pups leaves here uh used to i have no control of what happens with those pups when they leave here uh i don't know how i i don't know how they're going to be exposed i don't know how what their foundation is going to be i don't know if they're going to run loose i don't know if they're going to sit in a pen until they're nine months old and then people haven't done anything with them and at 12 months old it's like well this thing isn't going to win the baby stick so i'm selling it and then it gets shuffled around you know i have no control now the last three litters i've raised then i've been very particular and tried to get them in hands of people that i trusted to not only do the best job with them but also give me the 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 most honest feedback of how how they were going to perform and um So I still say that that 80% of it is because of the hands that they fall in. Not everybody, this is the truth, and I'm just going to say it, not everybody has the aptitude to take puppies and train them. You know, some people are better off grabbing, uh, you know, going out and spending more money and buying a good started dog or a finished dog and enjoying their
0: hunting. That's what I always recommend to people. I do too. Find something that's already tree in its own coon. And I know they're expensive, but especially right now with all the money that is out there in coonhounds. But you're still money ahead. Mm-hmm. You're given thirty five hundred to five thousand for a young dog that's that's really consistent by itself. It costs more than thirty five hundred or five thousand to get that dog to that point, for the most part. Right. You know, I'm blessed in a, with a situation where, you know, it just takes uh, uh, not as much effort for the just the locale that I live in. You know, I've got a good coon population. Uh, the dogs have good facilities as far as where they can run. Uh, I have a, a program that I try to follow with most of my dogs, which most of my dogs are bred the same way, so I don't get a lot of surprises. Uh, you know, I have a pretty good idea what that pup's going to be like. You don't, Of course, you're never going to nail it every time, but i got a pretty good idea what that pup's going to be like before I ever get my hands on it. You know, especially when I just got done checking on Hazel again. She's due any day you know i know hazel's kind of a kind of a different sort because that is a female that we bought but most of the females that we breed even we raised ourselves and most of the males that we breed we raised ourselves and so you got a pretty good idea of what you're getting your hands on before you ever even start messing with it
1: one one of the things that i see that i don't understand and i've had several people contact me it's like do you have a female pup available you have a female i only want a female mm-hmm. and i always respond with why do you want a female well i want to raise a litter of pups and the the message to start how many litters have you raised what's your mm-hmm. plans you know uh do you have somebody that's going to help you select the sire am i going to be able to help you select the sire can i help you with this and uh, you know it's it's um I know you got to start somewhere, so I'm not trying to sound like an elitist because I'm no breeder, you know, uh, at all. But I do study dogs. I do try to find dogs out of. I would much rather have a a good dog out of a solid litter than a superstar out of a dud litter. Yeah, and um, I think a lot of times these these females and males, both. You know, if if you take – I don't care what it is. If you take a – you take that dog and you win the super stakes with it or the world hunt with it, at that point it does not matter what any other pup in that litter has done. They could all have been duds in the best houndsman hands and they were all in – you know, they were all calls. That world champion is going to get bred. And so when I say it's people, you know, there it is again. We have – We have flocked to that world champion and bred these females to it when that male dog or that female dog that we're breeding to, their individual talents have nothing to do with the reproductive ability.
0: I think that the, uh, and you know just as well as I do that I can only speak for the walker breed. I am an idiot when it comes to all the others. But as far as the walker breed goes, uh, the, the pro classics have helped that a ton because a lot of these dogs aren't getting bred until they're late in their career. Because mm-hmm. it's, you, you know, just as well as I do, that sometimes breeding a male is going to change the way that he interacts in a cast. Uh, a lot of guys that are on a hot streak with a male, they're not going to stop in breeding. Uh, females are the same way. They don't want to take, you know, four months off to raise pups. Right. You know, they're going to they're gonna keep pushing that female. So a lot of these dogs are getting bred later in life, and we know exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know from the it's not just a dog that got on one big run out of the world hunt. It's a dog that's that's won consistently for four, five, six, sometimes even seven years now.
1: But and how much how much do we pay attention to what their litter mates have
0: done? Probably not enough, and probably not enough. And there are some examples of dogs that are are solid reproducers with not a great litter. But as a general rule, I look for the same thing you do. Uh, that's why we bred Shock to Hazel instead of Trader. Uh, mm-hmm. Thought of Trader Seaman crossed our mind with her, too. But Shock's out of one of the greatest litters ever. You know, it's, there were only six of them, and five of them made at least silver champion. Yeah. Uh, there's three platinum champions, one gold champion, and a silver champion. That's almost gold. Yeah. And so that's, that's a pretty good litter of That's a pretty solid litter yes. of and so I, And Shock hasn't been bred much for mm-hmm. what he is. And so that was why we made that decision uh con was another reason that we we bred to con uh to dream because uh con came out of a fantastic litter yeah and so it's that's something definitely to consider and that's something i look at too but you there's a few dogs out there that maybe their litter mates didn't have the chances that they did or something like that again there you go yeah and so that's something you got to consider too some dogs don't get the chances that they should get
1: Uh, i know it i know you're exactly right and, and we
0: just we just spoke about Mongo.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I can
1: tell good. you that that litter, um, the first litter, did not go. And that's kind of what got me kicked onto this path that I'm on now. Uh, if I raise a litter of contacting people and say, "Hey, will you take a pup? I've got this litter. Will you take a pup?" Um, I I haven't. I don't think I've advertised. Any and I, like I said, I'm not a big breeder, but mm-hmm. I haven't advertised anything either. I let some people know that I've got litter coming, and uh, they know somebody or whatever, and they contact me, and it's like, hey, and uh, man, I, I hate to be a sound like this, like I'm, but I feel like that's part of my my dog's legacy and my legacy riding on that pup and uh, my responsibility. To, to make sure that that pup has the absolute best chance they have. So I'm not trying to be a snob about it. It's just something that that I feel obligated to do to make sure that they
0: get in the right hands. Yeah, I know we've got three of these pups out of, the, out of Hazel Book that we're giving away, and we know where they're going, and we know they're good pup man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Jackson calls me, and he wants a pup. He's going to get a pup, and he's not going to have to pay for it. Right. You know, there's people like this. Waylon Murrell calls me right now. He started a couple of stuff out of my stock. Uh, he calls me right now and says, hey, I want one of them shock hazel pups. He's getting one. Right. You know, I'm not going to charge him nothing. Uh, there rhythm, you go. Rhythm, for An instance. An advertisement. Yeah. Rhythm, for instance. <laughs> I, I raised her until she was three, three and a half months old. She went out to Waylon. He hunted her for a little bit. I got her bought back for a song and a dance and I finished her out and sold her for pretty good money. Yeah. You know, and we got we got the opportunity to buy those dogs back if we want them bad enough uh you know so always i we always try to do our best to put them in good hands uh we sell enough to go ahead and pay for super staking them uh raising them shots wormers stuff like that but we also kind of pick and choose who we're selling them to and yeah we, all, we also price them really high because we don't want somebody to just sit out there and waste them and i think that makes a difference that's that's a good point too.
1: You you get sell these pups cheap, or you give them away to whoever will take them, and uh, there's no value in it for no. them.
0: You look at what we had to spend to get this litter of pups on the ground. I mean, we had to, Jed had to take shock. All I can't handle shock because me and him don't get along. But Jed had to take shock, yeah. uh breed him. Jed had to buy his mother for a really good chunk of change. Uh, raise that litter. Won $60,000 on shock and probably spent $70,000 doing it. Uh, made the dog where he is. He's still feeding him today and taking care of him today. Uh, we had to get Hazel purchased. And, of course, shock we raised, but Hazel we purchased. You know, there's a lot of money involved going into just making a single cross. These aren't just a brood female uh, picked up for 300 bucks and then bred to the hottest stud dog on the planet. Yeah you know, we got a lot of money invested in this litter, so we're not going to sell them cheap. And I don't think you can, because the, that's one of the reasons they get wasted.
1: Yep. I agree, man. But I, I think it goes back. I, I still say that, you know, when wick wrote that. It was a different time. We were talking about 1985. We're, we're talking about what well, that have been 35 years mm. from about 35 years from when, you know, the coon hound, registries really kicked off and, and we started keeping close pedigrees in, talk about forty years I guess yeah. going back in the mid nineteen forties. But uh
0: but but even then big game guys wouldn't wouldn't settle for eighty twenty. No.
1: You know
0: you Well can't. and
1: that's that's the thing, Josh. I mean I, I look I look around the world. Bird dog guys don't sell for settle for eighty eighty percent call rate. Mm-hmm. Police dog guys don't. Uh, uh, cattle dog guys don't, so what are, what are we, why are we just throwing our hands up and saying, well, you know, they they, they say that only 20% are going to
0: make it. So you just got to get down the road. I, I'm not buying it. Well, when you look at the, and I'll be, I've trained and I don't get me wrong. There's, there's levels to everything. I've not trained an elite retriever, but I've trained a good retriever uh i've not trained an elite bird dog that could go out and be a national champion and shoot to retrieve, no. but i've trained a good bird dog uh it's so much easier than a hound it really is it's and that's that's easier. one thing and a lot of my breeders like you know i sean riddle is a friend of mine or bruce murphy or these guys that are training pointing dogs or some of the, my retriever buddies and stuff and they they will tell you that same thing they're, they're with their dog they see their dog. Mm-hmm. They can react to what they're seeing instead of just hearing. It's a lot yep. easier to train one of those than it is a hound. You better believe
1: it. And that's that's one point that I made in this post is what we're asking our dogs to do. I mean, it's more difficult than than police dog training. Yeah. You know, I, I'm with that dog when I'm training it. Yeah. It's the farthest it's away from me is a hundred yards. It's never yeah. out of my visual visual sight. Yeah and um what we're asking these dogs to do so so to expect 80 percent success rate might be a little bit high but uh you know 60 to 70 percent at this stage in the game after concentrated breeding efforts and and stuff for almost you know 80 years now just 80
0: years of, of record keeping
1: i don't think that's unreasonable
0: I don't either, and you also look at those other breeds, and they've been bred and and trained for a lot longer than, especially the tree and walker. Yeah. You know, they've been, how long have we had Labrador Retrievers and Chesapeake Bay Retrievers and English Setters and English Pointers and oh, yeah. Australian Cattle Dogs and Border Collies? That's uh, right. Those guys have had multiple generations more chance to, to either manipulate their dogs genetically or through training than we have.
1: Well, you take you take the side hounds that that Seth is hunting. Yeah, they've been. You doing know, we're that. talking about ten thousand years. Yeah,
0: Jesus probably had those things. Yeah, you you're know? right. <laughs> it's not, it's not. It, we're we're behind the bar on that, and it's also a more difficult uh, thing to do for a dog to track something and tree something and do it the way we want it. Yep. And so, no argument there. You're you're going to have a low, you're always going to have a lower success rate with a hound than you are a, a Labrador Retriever. I mean, it's that, always going to be lower. I don't see any way around it, just for the simple fact that that we're asking them to do way more. Agreed. I I agree. Well, I'm glad we got that hashed out. We're solving the world's problems just one Facebook post at a time, pal. We really are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it
1: it does all. It does provide some interesting topics to discuss it does. on a podcast.
0: It does. Yep. And. I, we go back to the brood female thing. There's no such thing. A brood female is just something that nobody hunted hard enough to figure out what she was. We'll have to tackle that on
1: another podcast. because yeah, that
0: could be an hour, another hour. I'm anti. Yeah. I'm anti. You don't ever see any brood males.
1: Uh, I, could, I could show you some. Uh
0: <laughs> probably your plots <laughs>
1: <laughs> no plots don't live long enough that they can't perform there you go yeah yeah what do you got I got what you rules. got from your side I got rules, rules. I, uh, that's what we need we need more rules in our lives
0: well I'm gonna clarify a couple okay and this is only in the professional kennel club uh this is via Mr. Shane Patton and this is I, I'm the only reason I'm highlighting these is cause I was right <laughs> <laughs> i've seen some this posts. S- go ahead more facebook posts it was a. it was actually a facebook post see there's also, there's there you also, go there's also a post on the uh which i'm not as familiar with the ukc rules because i don't hunt it as much but uh the ukc rules have got to be pretty similar and i know cheyenne cummings who does hunt a lot of pkc or in ukc is a very good judge and a very good handler uh he said in ukc and this may be very well be the case uh the question was a dog is struck in uh, you walk away from it uh, you get back to where you're supposed to hear it you start the eight and that handler is allowed to walk towards his dog for that eight minutes uh, using his garment and i disagreed with that I would not judge that if I was in a UKC cast that way because you're not allowed to use the Garmin to score a dog. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, uh, walking towards that dog via the Garmin is technically you're in the act of scoring that dog. Yes. And so that's how I interpreted it, and that's mostly coming from the PKC side. And I had some questions with that in the cast earlier too, and I've seen that question come up on Facebook. So I called Shane, and uh, I said, Hey, uh, we walk away from a dog trailing, we go score a tree, Uh, You're not allowed to start that six until you walk back to the last place you heard that dog. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everybody knows that. So I walk back to the last place I heard that dog, and I start the six, and it is that handler's six, but we can only walk towards the last place we heard that dog. Mm -hmm. If that dog is two miles behind us now, I'm not letting you use your Garmin to walk towards him. Uh, We're not allowed to use the Garmin for anything as far as scoring goes in PKC. And you are in the act of scoring that dog. And so I clarified that with Shane. He said, I have been judging that correctly as far as he knows. And that is the way I will continue to judge it. And so if any of you guys that are coming up with these pro classics that I'm getting ready to judge, or if you draw me out at the world hunt, uh, you're not using your garment to walk towards that dog. We're only going to (laughs) walk towards the last place we heard it. And that's how I'm going to continue to score it.
1: Let me, let me, I'm going to share a story
0: about that. Okay.
1: (laughs) uh we had gone to donnie and i were we were pushing big country and uh we had gone up to ashland for the spring yeah spring uh classic or whatever it was that mm-hmm. they had up there <clears throat> and uh we we're sitting around the motel room and i said man there's an rqe over at peru indiana it'll only take us you know, a couple hours, a few hours to get there. Let's just, let's just load up and go over there and get this dog qualified. We got over there drew out and, um, went to the woods and country's behind me working. There was a little female in the cast that was out in front of us that had been struck. We went and scored a tree from, um, on country, walked back out into the field and, the guy had lost track of his dog and, uh, started the eight. And so he started walking towards his dog using his garment. Mm-hmm. I said, we don't, we're not walking that way. So you can get within hearing, you know, we're back at the place that you heard him the last time the eight started. And the, it was the, the answer was, well, it's my aid. I can do whatever I want. Yep. And I said, uh, no, you can't. The, we're back to the place where, so, anyway it went to a cast vote everybody voted that they could go that it could go that way went up walking all the way across this field out of hearing of country behind us and walked in on top of this dog Don- to this day donnie still talks about me getting out handled by a bunch of 17 year old kids
0: 17 year old kids are tough bud let me tell you they they know their stuff
1: yeah yeah, I mean it was. That's just a classic example directly related to yeah. what you were talking about.
0: Now, according to a lot of people that I respect and like in UKC, you can use that Garmin to walk towards your dog. But I don't yes. interpret that way, and I'm not. I gonna... couldn't inter I couldn't convince them that way that no. night. That's for sure. No, but I, as far as I'm concerned, you can't use that Garmin to do anything in a cast other than see where your dog is at yeah and the judge has you can show me your garment all you want i can't do anything about it mm-hmm. and so if and it is the handler six or the handler's eight they are allowed to walk but they're only allowed to walk towards the last place we heard that dog that's how i always judge it
1: what about the, what about the part of the rules that
0: say splitting the difference you always um, have to split difference, you know. Mm-hmm. I and that that's a very common occurrence in PKC when the dogs are split up. Uh, it's something that I always try to maintain throughout the cast. You know, if you got one here that's two hundred yards in front of you trailing, and one that's a mile behind you trailing, you're gonna walk towards that one until you're dang near out of hearing of the other. You know, yeah. you want you want to try to make sure and and stay within hearing distance of all the dogs. Uh, but you know, it, it's just something as a judge you really got to be mindful of.
1: Yeah. Judging is tough. I mean, if you're, it's. I think it's. If you're, if you're, if you're, if you've got any integrity in you at all, if you're a hunting judge, it's really tough.
0: Yeah,
1: a non-hunting judge is extremely tough.
0: Non-hunting judge is much easier. I I agree than than a hunting judge, and I, I beg when i'm at an open event or i'm in an early round of a major event to don't don't let me judge now there are times where i've let somebody else judge and asked not to and i'm thinking man i wish i would have judged this cast right we wouldn't, we wouldn't be in this fiasco uh but most of the time i try not to hunt if i'm a hunting judge because especially in a pro classic or something like that you know finley's paying the entry and i'm at a disadvantage if i'm judging
1: hmm yeah you get sucked in under right. trees looking for coons and
0: if it was my money it wouldn't bother me as much but when i'm when i'm hunting on someone else's i'm trying to really make sure they get the value out of that entry fee and that's they're not exactly get, right they're not getting as much value if i'm having the judge
1: i drew vapor one year at the pkc world uh tony smith that dog that dog's tough i mean yeah. there's there's no doubt drawn, about it. I,
0: all the events we were at together and i never did draw vapor He's nice. Yeah. He's real nice. I had some friends that drew him and stuff, but I never got to draw him.
1: Yep. And uh, getting sucked in under trees and the cast isn't yeah. obligated to get, you know, the cast members aren't as obligated to get in as close as
0: you are. And Well, just in PKC where you can go get your dog by yeah. yourself and, and handle it, you know, especially when it's hot or something like that. And you're, A lot of times you're not able to do that as a judge. And so, you know, you're leaving your dog treed there untethered and anything could happen yep you know don't get me wrong we hunt dogs that'll stay treed all night for hours upon hours you have to to compete at that level but when they get treed and their fives up i want to be right there yeah because anything could happen a coon could jump you know something wild dog can get too hot and the two catch it you never know right
1: yeah it seems like every time i i would go to a major event then and there were hunting judges then i was put down as the judge Uh
0: Yeah. So. Oh yeah, Jerry Jerry was terrible about it. And then he'd pronounce my name wrong <laughs> Do what? He'd pronounce my name wrong and then make me judge Hey Josh Michaelis, <laughs> come get your card I finally told him at the Labor Day Classic one year I said, Jerry, if you don't learn my name I ain't freaking judging for you ever again <laughs> <laughs> Oh
1: Jerry, man He is a good egg though yeah, I, I always get along
0: pretty good with Jerry Yeah Yeah yep. Yeah. What other rule you got you said rules. Oh, yeah. I got the, the two-minute rule on the trees, too. That was something that needs clarified. And I'll, I might have to ask Jerry about this because I've seen somewhere where he said that a handler can walk there, too. You know, say you're walking to a tree, dog shuts up. Uh, you put the two on. Uh-huh. It, uh, you want to stop and listen and make sure it doesn't break. And I've seen somewhere before, and Jerry may correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that is the handler's two as well and i've never judged it that way either because if you can tree that dog and me I take neither your, and i take your call then and i'm not then now there have been times where i've had people stop me at the bottom of a hill when i tree deep and and tell me to put the two on which that's a question and you put that up to a cast vote anyway or a wind storm picks up or the rainstorm comes or something and here but i would never do that to a handler as a hunting judge or a non-hunting judge uh if a dog is tree deep and i'm on top of a hill and i hear it clearly and i take the call i'm not going to walk down to the bottom of it where you can't hear that dog and then put the two on them exactly and most yeah, ha- se- most judges i've only ran into that circumstance maybe once or twice in my entire career
1: i've ran into it both ways i've ran into it where uh i've felt like that that guides or or judges were trying to walk me the long way to mm. my dog out of hearing um and then have them try to put the two on me yeah um
0: and, and here's, then i've also there's a handler tip with that too if you think that's happening you stop immediately and say look we'll walk around if it's easier or if we want to walk to a road and walk down the dog or something but you're not putting the two on me if we walk one step away from my dog mm-hmm. and i've always been as a handler i've always done that as a judge i've always said look guide says we can get to this dog faster walking out away from it a little bit and then walking back down a road or back a path or something like that. I'm not going to put the two on you for four or five minutes of walking. Right. And, you know, so I make sure and clarify that before we ever take off.
1: Yeah, you you run into that deal where it's like, you know, somebody's like lagging behind and they're, they're yelling out to the judge, hey, you need to put the two on that dog. You need to put the two on that dog. We can't hear him, you know, and, and – at that point, a good judge is just going to turn around and say, "Hey, I'm the judge. I figure out when we need to put the two on him." Yeah. Appreciate your input, but we're at a disadvantage to hear that dog. We put ourselves there. The dog didn't put us there. We put ourselves there. Mm-hmm. So, so we're going to get to the best advantage point, and and make a
0: call then. Yeah. No, because so take, many times I've if walked, I take a tree call, I can hear that dog. Yep. You know, well, you're so, supposed to exactly. You know, I'm not, and there has been a couple times that where a handler got me, and now I'm not. You know, that happens too. A good handler is going to sneak one in on you every now and then, and I'm not mad about it or nothing. That's my mistake for taking that call. You know, I don't put that on the handler for taking a chance and trying to do what's best for his dog as much as I put that on the judge for doing it. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of judges get talked into hearing a dog that they don't hear. Yeah, and good. Good handlers can do that.
1: Well, a good handler also, when you're talking about walking your two, you know, they know that when their dog starts getting a little bit hot, they're going to start chewing. Yeah. Or they know when a dog – I'll tell you where it really happened was, was with the squirrel dog competitions. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you start you start walking into this dog, and the dog shuts up, and you know what he's doing. He's off the tree milling around yeah. and smelling logs and, and everything else. But as soon as they hear you coming, man, they're back on there, and yeah. they're just ah, – And – uh so, they want to get there, and I want yeah. to, I want people to get there too. I want, yeah. I want to get to my dog. So I'm not no...
0: I'm not trying to minus somebody on a tree right. super hard with the two catch them, especially when it's hot. Yep. When it's yep. super hot, I'll even tell the handlers. I said, look, I'm going to be lax on starting the two. You know, the dog's going to have to be pretty quiet for quite a while before I'm going to start and put the two on it. It's 90 degrees out here. I get it. Yep. And it's not good for that dog to stop every 50 yards, put the two on it, and take 20 minutes to get to that tree. No. You know? And so I'm I'm slow on the two when it's hot. Uh, I'll minus a dog quick when it's moving. But, you know, it's, it's something where, as a judge, you have to understand the circumstances and the situation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. For sure. I think that's all I got. You got anything else, pal? Nope. I haven't got anything, man. We solved a lot of issues today.
1: We really did, and I think people can. Are we going to give marriage advice, next truth, or what are we uh, going to do?
0: I'm the wrong guy to ask <laughs> for that. I can promise you that. <laughs> do you know anybody that maybe could? <laughs> Not any coon hunters, no. a <laughs> matter of fact, I was talking to uh, Hoop Franklin the other day, and I said, there's two types of coon hunters in this world, those that are divorced and those that are getting ready to be. <laughs> I said hard hunters. I said hard hunters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Oh man! All right, I'm good. All right, I'm good too, Chris. Thanks for sitting down with me, and uh, thanks for everybody listening. This is the truth on the Houseman XP Podcast Network.